Well, you're a professional Bob now. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm a professional Bob. <laughs> Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. Are we recording? We are recording. I'm Bob Galen. Yes. He surprised me. I am. Were we recording that whole time? We've been recording the whole time. For all of that crap we were talking about? Yeah. Or I was talking about? That's how I get my opening joke, that zinger. at the. So, so repartee, I actually said that on that, that was you recorded? Did. You enunciated it well. Are you going to use that against me? I would imagine the answer to that question is yes. I do have a file of all the things you've said oh my saved God. away. Oh, oh my God. That you use against for me. For a rainy day when for I need rainy... it. I would guess that that's a rather large file. It, it's growing with every podcast <laughs> exponentially. Yes. It's cool. my favorite file. When I get sad, I you just listen. turn that on. And, and it makes you happy? It does. It makes me happy. It, at my expense. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad my I'm glad my mistakes warm someone's heart. Uh, they that, do. that makes me that makes me Does it warm your heart? No, it no. really doesn't. No. Oh. No. Okay. What are we gonna talk about today? Josh? So we're talking about UX. 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 That's it. Okay. Metacast done. That was it. UX. Okay. All right. So what is the, what is UX? I mean, UX. One of the biggest challenges, and that I get a lot of questions about. Do you know that John Entwistle, the basis for the Who, was called the Ox? UX or, or, the or OX? The OX. OX. Is, it any, is there is there any similarity between OX and UX? One letter. Ox and UX. Maybe uh, maybe springing the topic on you was a bad idea. It might have been. Might have been. I, I just pulled the who out of thin air. Did Lesson you notice learned. That? It's not like there are some obscure band. No, they're not. But his nickname. Okay. Did you know his nickname? I didn't even know his name. Uh, they also called him Thunder, I think Thunderfingers or something like that. Because as a bassist, that makes a, sense. Yeah, yeah. He's one of like the top five bassists of all times. That has nothing to do with UX. It sounds like you're trying to <laughs> I'm trying, align it somehow. I'm trying to filler. I'm trying to provide some filler. So expl- explain to me what it is. So in case everybody's wondering what in the world is happening in this Metacast, we, we had two options before, and I said I'd just spring one on Bob. So I sprung UX on it. And I pulled the, the who out of my butt. <laughs> That's why I'll never do this again. <laughs> yeah, it's a defense mechanism, Metacasters. The who. <laughs> You know, old time rock and roll bands sort of get surfaced as a as a shield against surprise. So. Lesson learned. Okay, so where do we take us? Take us on this journey, Josh. UX and how you fit it into how it is a part of Scrum and a software development role. I've seen it done a myriad of ways. I'm going to share how I've gotten it to work in past places and how we're making it work here. A lot of folks have done. They're a separate squad. They run X number of sprints ahead. They're different. They're in the squad. They're, I've seen it done a million different ways. I haven't seen it done well a lot of ways. So the goal here is to try and help folks that are out there that have that role and try and give them tips and tricks to make it more effective in their process. 
That sounds fair. Could okay. we overload it a little bit and say no if you don't like it, but could we add uh, BAs to it and say, like traditional business analysis, that notion of upfront requirements, uh, developing them, and could we add architecture to the discussion? So could is there enough similarities between UX look ahead, architectural look ahead, and requirement look ahead that it, it would sort of be the same discussion or do you want to just focus on Let's UX? focus on UX. I think we can, I think other things, other similarities will fall out of it and we'll be able to draw some correlations, cool. but I'm worried about not solving the core problem because I hear this a lot from a lot of different people. Well, let's get, let's, I let's think it'd be to good it. to yep. Could you give define, some support. So, and, and this is not, I'm not being artificial, I'm being right. sincere because, uh, so what do you mean by UX? Like what are some of the activities that happen in UX? Because I, I even get confused sure. sometimes with that. The definitions that we use, and you hear UI, UX mixed together, the separation that we have is that UX is that that X is the experience. So it's the interactions of how those are designed that when I navigate through a product, not the control, not the front end HTML code, that's all handled by our front end engineers. So the controls, everything like that, that's that's separate. This is how we're going to define the interaction of, as a user, I want to create a podcast. So, you know, we're starting a, a podcast company here. Um, I want to go in and I want to create a podcast. So what's that look like? How do I sign up? What are the interactions? How do we guide the user through that sort of wizardy process of putting in all the info we need to set up and spin up everything that they need to be successful and have the end product. So that would be interactive, like there's a notion of interactive diagrams and things like that, or interactive design. Uh, would would wireframes and sort of design elements be part of that? Paper prototyping? Right. There are folks that do a lot of, I actually think it's pretty powerful, like paper before even electronic yeah. uh, prototyping. Would that be part of that? Yeah. From your point of view? However you want to do it, the, what what we end up leaning towards is that UX product. It can be many different flavors that is used to inform the squad of this is what we want to build, and then they execute how it's going to get built. But so what's that it's handoff? Part, look, but what is that handoff? Exactly right. So it's part of the requirements. Okay. It's here's what we wanted to do. Here's how it should flow. Okay. So there are folks that go whole hog and define everything, define every button click, define pixel size, everything, everything. Um, and then there are, and we're more in this mode of here's the, here's the direction that we want to go. Here's, this is a new interaction. So this is the first time we have a wizard. So here's how wizards are going to work for us mm -hmm. and those things. And then the squads work out the details of, you know, locations and colors and things like that. Well, colors are pretty laid out by, by, by UX as well, but trying to give folks some idea of how to do that in a sane way. Cause I've seen it done bad and I've seen it done pretty good. So I wanted to right. lean on your experience of, I assume when I contact you had some UX folks. We had a large U UX team. Um, they weren't all the way you described. Some of them were doing research so a few a handful of them had PhDs in sort of human factors mm -hmm. research, and, and they would do things like surveys. They would do things like um, watch customers, how they behaved. Right. So they would do webinars with customers and show them functionality 
or not not show them, demo, have them have the customer interact with our functionality, right? And watch, and then they would keep track of what what were their workflows, how did they operate, and they did that. A handful of them, a couple would do that weekly. They would sign up customers. So uh, this was this was more long tenured. This was the stuff that predated uh, the design elements. Mm -hmm. One of the things we the problem we had with that is one time we took this t those team and we sprinkled them in the scrum teams, which was a mistake. Um, and the folks that were doing what you talk about, sort of interactive design mm -hmm. or, or, you know, uh, front-end UI design, they could sort of get something done in the sprint. But these folks that were doing like three-month surveys or three-month right. research, mm -hmm. they were hosed. Right. They, they couldn't deliver something at the end of a sprint. Uh, they felt like they, you know, we were rushing them and they couldn't ever get completed. Or if they helped their team, then they didn't get their primary job done. So they were the longer lived elements of what I would call UX, the research elements, the look ahead, not architectural look ahead, but the, the sort of the customer interaction look ahead. Um, we, we could never do that in the sprints. Uh, that was one of the reasons we pulled them out of the of the scrum teams, right? Uh, and they were sprinting ahead, like you. Eventually, our model was they would sprint ahead, sort of what you alluded to. Mm -hmm. But these folks were sprinting even further ahead, uh, and and so there was an independent UX scrum team, but elements of that team, some of them were do, doing, you know, they would deliver something at the end, but it was like, yeah, if they had a survey that was going to survey a hundred customers they would report the results of five customers every sprint or something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, it wasn't even demonstrable till the end right. when they would have that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so, so we had a broad view of UX. That's yeah. why I got confused. Okay, that's fair. Uh, you, you have a narrow... I think everyone has a different... I was trying to limit it to the end product. There's a lot that goes into getting the end product. What I'm talking about is how you infuse those learnings and how they inform the squad to deliver appropriately. Right. And how do you how do you squish those two together? Because there's times where it's just like, hey, here's a wiki page, figure it out, or they're in the squad. I've had real luck with them the the end product being within the squad because then they're more connected in all the sprint plannings, they see what's coming. So the UX folks are part of this the the team that's delivering the yeah. front end. I've not had as good a luck with that. And again, you drive this discussion. It's your topic. So, well, so no, no, but keep us on track. If I ramble, right. make sure that we cover what you were hoping. That may be impossible. I know, but, but <laughs> keep, keep us on. Uh, but I, I, I have not had good success in betting them 100%. Mm -hmm. so, so eventually at iContact, our model, so we tried, I'll just, and, and Metacasters, if you've heard me say this before, I apologize for the redundancy, but we tried it for... Uh, almost a year with, or no, maybe six, at least six months, uh, we embedded them in the teams and that did not do well. Uh, I mean, the, it did well from a, the teams implemented, the, the teams executed and delivered results, but the UX folks felt demoralized a little bit. They felt like they couldn't, they didn't have sufficient time to do their job, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Then we pulled them entirely out. So we oscillated the other way. Mm -hmm. So the, I think our first reaction, and this is my mistake because I have a tendency to throw everything into the scrum right. team. Me too. Right. Is put, I threw them into the team. And then and then we were listening to the retrospectives and stuff and right. the feedback. And it's, oh, well, crap, this isn't working. So then we knee-jerked, I think, and me, but I think everyone, we, we pulled them entirely out of the teams. 
So then they were interacting with the teams via documentation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, meaning stories. But they weren't they weren't even part time in the teams. They would just basically attach a wireframe or some guidance or a document to the backlog, mm-hmm. and and the backlog then would throw into the team. But the UX folks rarely interacted with the teams, so they were a separate team that wasn't interacting very much. Uh, that failed because of the lack of interaction. Mm-hmm. Then what we did is we create a split mode where, and you've heard me say this with architecture, is they they had look so they were a separate scrum team. They had their own backlog. We would merge the stories that they developed into the team's backlog, but they would actually become part-time members of the team. So if the team was executing a design element mm-hmm. that someone in the UX team had proposed, they would become a part-time, just like an architect. They would shepherd those elements by being part of the team. So they would come in, they would okay. sort of come and go. That that in-between state was probably the best. I'm not saying it's perfect, but that's where we landed. Right. And that seemed that seemed to create the best products and, and create the best collaboration. What have you done? So the places I've been have had more interaction closer to the team itself, less that long looking, we're doing a survey of 100 customers, that's going to take us a month. So yeah. we've had less of that, more of here's how things are going to work. I've had real success with UX members being right on the team, being involved in the planning that helps inform the teammates of what's happening. It also helps inform them. I've had real success where they they publish their, their work on Wiki or something like that. Confluence is our tool. So they publish the screenshots via the Wiki. We have some tools where you have live demos and things like that and collect the feedback on that and then refine that and say, okay, here's the final product and keep doing that. I've seen that work less effectively when they're a separate team. That interaction and those discussions don't happen. So I've really pushed it towards driving the discussions, just like a story, acceptance criteria, all of that of getting them as close as possible to drive the discussions that weren't happening because they were a separate team, separate backlog, separate everything. That interaction happened a couple times a week and it wasn't effective. So we've squished them together and it's made a difference. And I've had luck with that in the past as What well. about their look ahead though? So uh, I forget the Spotify view. What is it? Uh, what's the cross cutting? So you had chapter. So what about them as a chat? So are they, because what you're doing is the chapter is getting consumed by the squad. Right. Right. So is, do they have any feedback that they're not taking care of the chapter enough? They're not looking ahead enough. They they don't have enough. I mean, you, they need yeah. private. Look, they need private design time. Right. Right. So do you, do you hear anything like that from them? This is a recent switch for us to get them embedded within the squad. Okay. Okay. There there, there is a UX chapter that has been running. They do have their own backlog. That from that backlog, they okay. tell stories. Okay within the sprint team just like the architecture the front end and back end chapters have their own backlog of work that they want to do that they pull so your oscillation is they were separate Mm -hmm. they've always been so they were a separate squad i'm trying to use your terminology they had their own backlog they would inject backlogs into the execution teams right uh they did collaborate but it was not as active as you would have liked right so recently then you injected them into the team yeah uh, which says you're going to have to see what, what it does to the squad. I mean, yeah. what, it do, what it does to the uh, chapter, right? Yeah, I think that's the danger is the UX chapter and how does that evolve over time. I think it's healthy for the squads. And like you, that's my first instinct is to 
how can we be more effective with the squad and get right. them running and get that agile right. team running as quickly as they can and having all the tools they need right. and having it be right there. Now, the big challenge is that chapter approach, just like That's we've had with the front end and the back end chapters. And it's not just cross-cutting. There's two aspects to, um, to that, at least I don't know how it is here. To me, there's uh, sort of UX principles and UX standards and common frameworks and things like right. that. That's, the, that's a part of the chapter. Uh, but then there's also just prototyping mm -hmm. and just just thinking, design thinking. That's where I liken it to architecture. Right. So it's not just the standard side of things or the commonality side of things, which you normal, I normally think of as chapter responsibility. Right. Yep. But it's, they, they need think time. Yeah. And that's, what, that's actually what drove us to, uh, to have this multiplex view. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the standard side of things. It was we when they were in the team, they lost their think time right. from a, just a design point of view, and it wasn't terrible. Yeah, uh, but they you could see it. They were they were really and, and they became too short term, mm -hmm. and we could see it in rework uh, from the point of view of there wasn't enough. It would be architecturally similar, like we didn't have enough you know thought right. to put into the different design approaches. And we and because we're part of the team, we had to design something, so we dove in. Yeah. And if you look at root cause, it, it's, it's like, oh, we, the root cause for the poor design is we didn't have enough think time. Yeah. We've had similar challenges with folks leading the other chapters. So the folks with that architectural knowledge that are leading the chapters that are also a part of the squad, what we've said is, as a level three engineer, a lot of your time is going to be spent on chapter level work. So it's about a 50-50 split. So when you go in and plan, reduce capacity right. by about 50%. Because right. we need you to spend half of your time thinking architecturally and what's in front of us, grooming that chapter backlog, ensuring that we're looking ahead and seeing those things are coming, and then helping infuse that work into each team so that way they can make it happen. It's easy to say that. And I'm not, I'm just... Absolutely. It's easy to say that. Yeah. But what I found is uh, when you're part of the team, this happened to us when, we, when they were part of the team, is the team consumed them. So mm -hmm. good team behavior uh, consumed their bandwidth over their, their sort of their role, their primary role. Uh, so they lost their look ahead. It wasn't that they were idle. They were doing testing. Mm -hmm. They were working on stories. They right. were doing whatever they, they were good agile team members. I think the same thing happened any time that you have to be careful to give them a sense of identity mm -hmm. because when they're in the team, you can say whatever you want 50-50. At the end of the day, the execution, at least my experience, is the execution dynamics of the team will outweigh the 50-50. If the sprint is struggling, mm -hmm. then it's all hands on deck. Mm -hmm. And the U what happens with the UX folks is they fall behind. Yeah. It's that classic of the tactical always wins over exactly. strategic because exactly. you're trying to just exactly. execute. Yeah. And, and that's, the, it's not, you know, you can, as a leader, I articulated all of this stuff, but at the end of the day, mm -hmm. and you can't ding them even. The, what, right. what they're doing is putting the team first. Right. Uh, so that's that was one of the reasons why we separated them into their own team. It wasn't, it was just to give them this sense of identity so it wouldn't be consumed by the, the team, right. uh, the execution team. Uh, if you will but you're in a different path you'll have to see how that works here yeah the other thing for us like I said it, it looks like you're much more short-term focused with UX 
we were very much long term. Some of our initiatives were looking out six months or nine months. Right? Yeah. Some initiatives, some of the things they were doing, because they reported to our chief product owner. Mm -hmm. So early on, UX reported to me as mm -hmm. the development head. But maybe after a year, and, and I, I felt this felt right over time, but we, we uh, organizationally, they then reported to the product owner organization. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things there is, well, there's a connection, right? There's a clear connection to right. user stories. There's a clear connection to customer mm -hmm. um, and, and customer usability. So that made sense. So they became the, the eyes and ears for the chief product owner, sort of to guide where her thoughts were mm -hmm. as far as what release, next step releases, the, the future from a usability point of view. Uh, so they, they weren't just doing hypothetical research. Uh, and they were doing a lot of customer testing. I'd say a handful of them were probably 20, you know, 50% of their time each week was actually interacting with customers, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Which would feed directly back into backlogs. Right. And not just with, not just with, not just with design stories, but it would permeate into other stories as well. So the product owners partnered with, with the, uh, the UX team. Mm -hmm. What else UX? That's about all I got. So look ahead. So your your folks are in the team. When they were outside of the team, did they sprint ahead at all? Have you done that? Yeah, the problem was having the real challenge we had was keeping all of that in sync. So having them be a separate group, but attending all the other stand-ups and all the other planning sessions to try and figure out where things were. So it felt very challenging for them to try and survey everything that's going on and have this overall view of who needs what and when. Now our product owners worked their tail off to keep them in sync, but they also were busy being product owners. So that connection of being completely in tune with what each squad is doing has helped inform the look ahead and have it become a bit more smooth. I mean, how many UX folks you have? How many teams you have? How many squads? Four. So you have four squads or active squads right now. Mm -hmm. How many UX folks? Two. two. Two that are squad sp specific. They have a director and she's leading the whole thing and does a lot of the customer facing stuff. So, so that's that separation that you talked about a little bit where we have some folks embedded, some folks not. Oh, okay. So not everyone is embedded. Right. Okay. So those two people are embedded into one team each? Yeah. So two teams don't have UX and two. So you're running an experiment of some sort right. to see how. Yep. Uh, and it, probably the teams are doing more UI-centric work or something like that, right? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So it's one but So, and they're, and that person who's leading UX has part-time of their responsibility to do backlogs and things for herself. Mm -hmm. So let's say they're 50-50 artificially. Mm -hmm. So 50 outside. Okay. So they are split. Yeah. They are split. Yeah. To, to a great degree, yeah. right? Okay. Who does, do they do, who, who demos uh, UX look ahead? So within the the UX chapter meeting, which we have once a week, it's the folks that are on the squad get up and demo. Here's the UX for that next thing you're going to build that is a new approach to the way we've done things. So UX folks in the squad present the go forward. In the next sprint, you'll see these elements unfold. So what they're doing is as they're evolving the design, yep. every week they stand up and say, hey, this is where we're at. Get feedback in the chapter meeting, refine it, 
What about in the sprint demo? So do you demo UX? We have not gotten to the point where we're demoing that at the sprint demo. Okay. Right right now it's only within the chapter and then within the squad. Okay. All right. That's probably a next level thing for us is to get that of here's here's the UX for the thing we're building in three sprints. Yeah. To get that feedback. See, what we did is um, since they were a separate team and it was odd – because they didn't always demo, but UX, UX would sometimes, um, and it was infrequent, it depended, but when they had something significant, like a go-forward strategy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, reframing the look, you know, the look and feel of an app or a sub-app or something, then they would actually take a, a, a slice of our regular sprint demo mm-hmm. stage and they would present that mm-hmm. for feedback, and, and that was purely UX. Uh, otherwise, they would leverage the teams. Uh, sometimes the UI-centric teams would demo things together. Right. Uh, but but we would do both. It was the execution dynamics. Sometimes a UX person would even show sort of like paper prototypes or some dynamic prototypes in a team's demo uh, as look-ahead, like connecting the dots. You're right. going to see us unfold. The next two sprints, this is, go- this is where would we're be good. going. Yeah, because we always show the look-ahead of this is what's coming, but it would be nice if we have the UX to give it that little kind of kick in the pants. Right, okay. That's so so you haven't, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this is sort of, we oscillate. We are like two sprints in to putting them in the squad. Yeah. So we're evolving this as we go. And we did that because they were really in two places, right? They were in the, you know, in the in the runway of the execution teams. Well, then you would talk about runway stuff. Mm-hmm. But we also wanted them. They would talk about research, for example. In fact, they would hand out PDFs occasionally if they completed a major customer sort of research element. They would talk about that briefly. I mean, this yeah. was briefly, and they would have they would have the results, and they would make them available in PDFs and things. So they would talk about that sort of in the in the larger so that would be their team right having a readout they wouldn't couple that with with an execution team so they would sort of do big bang things or look ahead things from a ux point of view separately mm-hmm. when it made sense but the execution elements the product elements were done through the teams i'm trying to think that's where we ended up i i think and and when i say ended up it probably stuck that way for maybe a year and a half so i i think it was effectively working right uh, the biggest issue we had is i think what you what you're struggling with or why you're making changes is the communication balance yeah right it's the collaboration balance if they're too stuck if they're too far in the team then they're too stuck in the details they're right. too short term if they're too outside of the team then they're long term thinking but they're not connecting it to the team right even even what we found when i was at a at Deutsche Bank once, uh, we were doing the same thing. And, and I, we tried to do the same approach at eye contact. I, I found that that sort of works. Mm-hmm. But it was the community. What the UX folks weren't doing is getting like uh, feasibility estimates from the UI developers for their designs. So they would, they would think about design too much. Yeah. And they would become so invested in their designs that they, when they threw it into the team... It, it was still a design. It was early. It was an early design element, but they they, they had so vetted it externally that mm-hmm. people like wanted it. But it was impossible. But to it build. was not. It was not feasible to build. Right. And that was that was this collaboration. So that's, that's that miss of the connection. That was that miss yeah. of the connection. Um, the other thing at Deutsche Bank is we we simply said a lot of times I don't think the UX folks are leveraging the design capabilities of the UI developers. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have ten UI developers. 
not all of them are clueless when it comes right. to exactly. design. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about estimation. I'm like asking their opinion, mm-hmm. right? In- including them. So not not partitioning people like Josh. You're a leader, so you can't have any opinion about anything else, right? And and you're a UX person, so they do all of this stuff, right? I once I ran into a client recently. We did release planning, uh, and they had this UX person sort of off to the side. Mm-hmm. And oh no! And we were doing release planning slash grooming of some early stories, and uh, they had this this UX person had been working independently, I think, for months, and they had never shared anything that she was working on with the teams, and and there was all of this like we've thought about this and we thought it was that waterfall thinking, right? Mm-hmm. We thought deep thoughts. We thought about this and we have <laughs> this and we have this, and initially they were really pushing back on even doing release planning, they're like, why would we even ask the team? We, we've already done all the design. And, and my head wanted to explode. It's like, right. holy, what are you talking about? I'm like, of course we have to get the team engaged. And it was really cool. I said, why don't we just, why don't we just pretend that you haven't done this, these months, <laughs> months of stuff? Right. And the reason they did it partly is because they had to keep her busy. Right. Right. She, you know, she wasn't in the teams and they had to keep her busy, so you had to let her loose doing that. But the coolest thing was when they started doing that, it they even showed some of the prototypes that she had put together to the team. But the team was bringing in all these ideas. They had mm-hmm. all those vested ideas in the mm-hmm. story brainstorming, right. in the release planning. It's not really, but you know, like story mapping is more right. so what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think even the designer, who you could tell she was really full of, not full, but... It was like, I, this is what I do for a living, yeah. right? I don't have to listen to anyone right. else, right? This is what I do. Yeah. You know, I do this, I hand it to you, and now do your job. Right. Just shut up and write code. <laughs> you could see that the collaboration was really resonating with everyone in the room. So I, cool. hope, I hope it stuck. So as I look back, the general recommendation that we have on how it's worked for us is try and find a middle ground and fight that balance of some time in the agile team, sometime not. Right. However you split that, if you put part of your team, part of the UX team on a squad, part not, or you try and split time, that seems to be, we both did it a little bit differently, we both got there in different ways, but as as we've allowed that to run and those experiments to happen, that seems to be the similar approach that we've come up with. I'd also say, and we didn't say this, but blend the roles, I think. We get stuck in role definitions. The last story I told is an example yeah. of that. From my, you know, This person was a designer. This is what I do. I yeah. am expert in this. Uh, shut up and listen to me. That whole notion, I am a tester. I am yeah. a, a software architect. We need to soften those job descriptions. I could tell when they hired her that... They hired her pre-agile. They hired her with the waterfall mentality of, I'm mm-hmm. going to work six months in advance. So I'm going to be six months in front of the organization thinking deep design thoughts. You and I both know that that doesn't work. Right. One, it doesn't work, I don't think, in general. But two, it does not work in an agile context. Correct. So we, we need to stop that. It would be the same thing with BAs. BAs are working on the, the system requirements mm-hmm. three months in advance. But they can't be so disconnected. Yeah. So we're saying connect. We're saying balance. But we're also saying, you know, blend the roles to some right. degree. I want UX people in the team. Yeah. Your, your, your developers 
to your point earlier, are more than just developers. Yeah. They are proud of what they build. Allow they them. To be proud. Allow everyone. Yeah. Uh, that UX person, think like a tester. Think like a developer. I, become more T-shaped. Yeah. In, in, that's not, I love T-shaped. Yeah, let's become more T-shaped in our thinking. I, are you comfortable with that recommendation as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, the, so I'm going to throw this approach that I've get. So we had a UX guy at my last job that supported a lot of teams and and um the direction i gave him was you own the final decision but leverage the knowledge of everybody else that's on the team no one's going to love every ui decision every ux decision that's out there so put it out there share it get the comments take that feedback and know that you're going to have half the team that wants this and half the team that wants this but you are the UX person. So make that final choice and own it because if they end up trying to please everybody, we'll never, nothing will ever happen. Yeah. Right. Cause that's the one thing about UX is everybody has an opinion, right? Everybody likes something and it's right. easy to say, it's easy to point to. It's not like an architecture where it just everybody, even my mom has a, <laughs> exactly. has an opinion on how UX should be built. Right. So that's the big challenge. So I agree, but also empower that UX person to once the feedback is collected to make a final well, decision. It's just go. like the developer, you know, you own the story. Yeah. But but let's be inclusive. Let's yeah. not be stuck in. Let's again be T shaped. Be inclusive. Listen, and and to people that have, I'm I didn't say listen to ten developers and five of them have not done design. <laughs> right. Yeah. But find the two that maybe they've actually done your job for three years five years ago mm-hmm. well then mind them don't ignore them don't right. marginalize them listen to them right as as colleagues as as partners so uh i think that's a nice way to wrap this up i like it okay okay so, so this is a short metacast relatively relatively, relatively short yeah cool so how do we wrap this thing up well well how do people find us well let me jump in people ooh, yeah. if you found us then do that again R- rinse and repeat <laughs> If you haven't find us, found us, then you won't ever find us again, probably. So, Which I, is why we're trying to put ourselves everywhere. Yes, we So that way more people find us. We are. So, so. And you can help people find us by leaving reviews. Leaving reviews. Starring us. Whatever your channel is. Well, they can tweet us. Give us the feedback. They because, can Twitter us. Yeah, because that, that, in those channels those things like reviews help us show more often in searches both in the tool themselves and on just google itself so you can help us reach more people which is our ultimate goal by by doing that so please help us yeah one more thing we are going to be at a conference next week if you're listening to this when we release it you're good if we're you're going to listen to it in two months it's from too now, late it's too late we're sorry um, but so it's the week of November 6th, 7th, something like that. We're in Orlando. Uh, what's We're in Orlando. Starting the, the 9th. The so 9th, the, yeah. The 10th, yeah. Yeah, so ninth, uh, I think it's 8th, 9th, 10th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the That week, uh, we're in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh and I are going to have Mickey Mouse ears on, I think. Uh, no, maybe not. No. You might. I might, no. Okay. <laughs> maybe I convince us. Um but we'll be on the road. It's called Better Software Conference, the Agile Development Practices Conference. It's a combined conference uh, with a company called TechWell. Uh, you have techwell.com. Uh, if you happen to be coming, and you, please, please look us up. 
uh, Pingus. Uh, yeah, we each have. I have one session. Do you have multiples there? I'm doing three work, three work, half day workshops on Monday and Tuesday, and then uh, and then just doing Medicare. So I'm hanging out with my family a little bit on Orlando and having some fun. Uh, but we'll be around. And then Josh, you have a session on Thursday, I mm-hmm. think. So so look us up there. We're also going to be doing some uh, guest speaker, uh, some three way interview sorts of uh, metacasts. We've done that before uh, with David Hussman and uh, what was her uh, name? I forget her name. I don't remember. Uh, but a couple of people before, and we're going to do it again. So just some coming attractions. Uh, we love your feedback, not just on reviews, but if there's topics, if you have questions, uh, if you want to disagree, agree, amplify, whatever it is, we are open to anything from our listeners and our valued customers from a UX point of view. So with that in mind, from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.